Hello, and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Matt Floor, who is the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator at University of San Diego. To support the podcast, all follows, ratings, and reviews are appreciated. And now, I present to you Matt Floor. Typically, what I ask coaches first is pretty much just how the fall went. That is, you know, yeah. step one to, uh, to this timeline that we're in right now. Cool. Yeah, uh, you know, each fall is interesting, as you know. Each fall is different. Each each year, a, a new team presents itself. You know, mm -hmm. we were so uh, so excited to come off of a of a really uh, quality year last year. You know, in, mm -hmm. in twenty two, Coach Ungrich took over uh, the head coaching uh, responsibility. Uh, you know, and, and being able to put together kind of a new staff. You know, as much as we had success in the in the 22 spring, we also knew as we were experiencing it that we, we couldn't take it for granted just because we were going to lose a lot of players thereafter. Mm. You know, whether it be we were caught in a situation with our roster where we knew we were going to lose a handful of players to professional baseball, very talented young players, sure. Um, but we also, I'm sure just like many schools, we were in an interesting situation too that because of that COVID year, we had a lot of, of players that were technically on paper redshirt juniors because mm. they still had that extra year of eligibility, but academically they were graduating. They were seniors. Yes. So, you know, not only did we lose true seniors, you know, the truest form of seniors or redshirt seniors, not only did we lose guys that got drafted as, as juniors, but then we were also going to be losing guys who were redshirt juniors uh, that were graduating and they just wanted to move on to their, to their professional lives. Right. Mm. And so we knew, we knew during this experience that we had an older team uh, and, and now transitioning to the fall uh, you know, we, we, you know, we knew that we needed to kind of uh, recreate uh, a, a roster, you know, typically okay. for us here, you know, for us here at USD, because of it's a it being a private school, you know, as you very well are aware of, you know, because of you know the the cost of attendance and, and what tuition and fees may be, you know, we're never a program that goes out there and can financially commit, you know, 20, 25, 30 players a recruiting class. We just we just feasibly cannot do that. And, mm -hmm. and yes, in the recruiting process, we use that to our advantage when we're talking to families because now they know with confidence that, you know, you look at the last six, seven years here at USD, the, the average recruiting class size is maybe around 10, 11 players. You hmm. know, it, it's, it's nothing too crazy. Um, yeah. Now as much call me a hypocrite because <laughs> as we were moving forward uh, into this fall uh, and we lost so many players last year, this was our largest recruiting class size. Uh, since being here at USD over now five years, you know, and, mm. and probably one of the larger classes in a handful of years thereafter too. Okay. Um, so we, we did bring in about 20 new players. Um, you know, we, we are right there at our, you know, 35 man roster heading into the spring. Um, so what the fall looked like was, it was interesting. You know, you, you had mm. this, you had this 20 some uh, individuals that, outweighed was the majority essentially of of the rest of the the players that were then returning yeah so you had to you had to quickly uh install and instill you know kind of our our, our core values what the culture here is you know is like mm -hmm. how we go about our business you know those little the small things that 
you know, we were, again, we were so fortunate with last year having an older team. It, it kind of was a restart this year, or at least kind of readdressing a lot of, uh, a lot of concerns with that. Um, in okay. terms of, you know, kind of what we got out of the fall, uh, it, we we're very fortunate, you know, the, the guys that we do have here, that, including the new players, uh, sure, very talented, but more importantly, amazing young men. And I think that's, you know, that's been very fortunate, whether playing at Loyola Marymount University, coaching at Loyola Marymount University, and now here coaching at the University of San Diego. I've been very blessed with being around some really quality young men uh, mm. that come from really quality families. So in terms of the culture side of things, it, as much as we do pay attention to it a lot, and it's talked about daily, um, we have such a, a tight core that, you know, it, it's self-governed. You know, those older mm. guys are kind of policing it themselves. Yes. Uh, so, you know, which then allows us as coaches to, again, yeah, pay attention to the culture, but we can strip things down and, and pay attention to the baseball side of things. Uh, so. Uh-huh. Okay. So even with a, a group of, you said 20 new players. Yes. Are you guys instilling that mentality of you guys are a player led program, you would say, where it's like you guys are steering the ship. This is your guys team. You guys dictate how things, you know, go here or at least, you know, you guys dictate maybe not how things are going, but you guys dictate kind of like, you know, the direction of the team's culture. Absolutely. Right. Like you, you give them, you give them the pillars to stand on and, and then you hope that, you know, we've kind of helped with the foundation and they can just build upon it. Uh, and, okay. and again, we, the, the 15, 16 older guys that we do have, we're, we're lucky because they learned in previous years how to, how to run a program. So now it's their turn. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, for instance, uh, here at USD, we, we right now currently, you know, we're not in school. Our, our spring semester doesn't start until late in January. So because of that, hmm. we can't work, we can't work with our guys until January 15th. Uh, you know, oh, which, wow. as you know, I mean, that, that's only like a month before season starts. Right. Yeah. So uh, this winter break, you know, whether they're at home or they're in the area and you know, whatever they're doing, you here at USD, you better lean on older players because you know, again, for us, we're it's January 10th and we haven't seen our guys on the field. You know, we're not going to see yeah. them for another five, six days. And then all of a sudden we've got four weeks until go time. And something cool that we we started last year with Coach Youngrich when he took over mm. is that first day we are allowed on the field, we do a two-hour assessment test. And essentially mm. what that is, it's, it's a list of about seven to eight team mostly team defensive activities and the older players know, you know, those seven or eight activities uh, and, and they essentially prepare all of our players, you know, at home over winter break or, or again, whatever they're, they're preparing because they know that on January 15th, they have an assessment test where they're going to do 10 minutes of Bundy's. They're going to do 15 minutes of rundown. They're going to do 10 <laughs> minutes of first and third. And it's completely player ran meaning it's not me up there hitting the fungo for cuts and relays it, oh. it's as it's as detailed to a player is hitting the fungo it's as detailed to the player the pitcher as we know holding a little bun out and rolling a bun to the third side for a bunt deep you know it, it, it is us coaches we sit back we have our clipboards and we're just watching what's taking place and hmm. we're we're evaluating 
where our team is at. So again, to mm. talk about just kind of how player ran this program is, I mean, that that's to its truest form. I mean, the, oh, the yeah. first day that, you know, the first day that we're going to be able to work with our guys in nearly two months that we have the opportunity to work with our guys, we just sit back, we're quiet and we're watching. We're pretty much just evaluating to see where our team is at so that when we get to maybe the next day or two, we can then now work towards, okay, hey, this didn't look good from our team perspective. This is what we're going to attack first. Or, hmm. hey, you know what? Pick, picks to first and second look great. We're going to come to that, but we're going to we're gonna kind of put it on the back burner. We're, we'll, we'll address it here in a week because you guys did a heck of a job with that during your assessment test. Hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it's as detailed out from a player-led program is that. And, and again, I, I know yeah. I'm jumping all over the place, Jack, so I apologize. But but that's just, you know, that is just kind of the the foundation to, uh, you know, to what makes USD USD. Interesting. Wow. I mean, yeah, talk about attention <laughs> to detail. Oh, my gosh. That's like it, intimidating. But also when you're, you know, when you can come together and do that um, and execute it. Oh, my God. I mean, it can help a, a team well, out so much. Right. You think about it. If, if, if that were to have been us right in college and our coaches came to us and said, Hey, you know, Jack, these are the seven things I'm going to, I'm going to essentially test you and yeah. how the team does. These guys will take so much more pride in how mm. they go about their business for how they're just kind of, you know, preparing essentially for that assessment test rather than us just showing up and just, okay, let's do bunts for here. or Let's do it is it's magical to watch, you know, and yeah. like I said, we started it, we started it last year, we saw it take place. And after that day, we, we all as a staff walked away from it and we we're like, whoa, we, we have to do this every single year moving forward because it was, it was oh. definitely, it was different. It was different, yeah. but it, it, it revealed so much about your team and where it's at, which was, which was really mm -hmm. cool. Really cool. Oh man. I can only imagine how Ian Churchill approached this. I mean, this because because oh, he's that know. kind of he's that kind of guy. So I'm using him as an example. He will take something like this, where most players or people listening right now, youth youth players, kids who are in college yet, mm -hmm. they might hear this and they're like, "God, that sounds so tedious." Like, I don't know if I want like I don't want to spend my winter break doing that. Church. Meanwhile, <laughs> he's gonna be like running around the field, like r probably running the deal. Like he's gonna be so enthusiastic about it. And that right there, that is an indicator of like a leader or someone who can really define a culture of a team. And it's very contagious if you can take something that most people aren't gonna be excited about and be excited about it. Oh my gosh, if yes. I'm a coach, I'm gonna look at that. I'm gonna go, that's my guy. That's a guy I'm yeah. leaning on. That's a guy I trust. That is a player that I need to be leading these other players how how gratifying it is right like what you're saying and and then two it's you brought up churchill which is a, a beautiful human being and just how he goes about his business but yeah but you know what made churchill churchill or, or last year what made ricketts ricketts or mott's mott's i mean these guys that, that had successful you know, years and, and I think are going to have very successful professional careers as well, but you gotta let, you gotta let your team be your team. And, and, and even at the, at the smallest level, you gotta let your players be themselves. Right. And, and, and that's, we talk a lot about authenticity. I think authenticity is one of the least appreciated or not talked about topic enough uh, with, with a group 
of 18 to 22 year old, in our case, young men. Yeah. Ian Churchill, you're right. He's running around the outfield chasing butterflies at times, right? And 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 laughing about it. But uh, yeah. but as a coach, at times you sit back there and you're like, goodness gracious, come on, buddy. But it, it, without being over the line silly, you, you got to yeah. let these guys be who they are. And, yeah. and if you can allow that, whoever it is, if, if he said it best. He said it best. You got to be you got to be the band, not the cover band. You got to oh, be the band, like not that. the cover band. He's oh, like, you got to be your true. Yeah, you got to be your truest form. And and, and again, that's something that, that we try to create here. It's tough sometimes to pull out, especially young guys. Right. You remember a freshman year. We're not evil you know, mean coaches. It, it's just, do we demand a lot? Sure. Everyone does. You know, do we want to, do we want to win baseball games? We want to do things right. Absolutely. But hmm. gosh, we, we want you guys to be in a setting where it's comfortable Yeah. because comfortability typically leads to then confidence, right? Comfortability yeah. translates to, and as we know in this game, if you don't have confidence, you're not playing much longer. So comfortability leads to confidence. Confidence typically leads to pretty darn good results. So is that so is that like one of the main goals of the fall is to establish like to your players like, hey, you need to be who you are. You need to bring a level of authenticity to every single day. I think I think it's and that's something that's really neat. It's a good question, because I think uh, for for our staff, it's it's it can be different, meaning, you know, Coach Ungerich okay. is and, and Coach Ungerich, Coach Full. I mean, those guys are those guys are some of the most lovable human beings that, that you could ever be around. I mean, the amount of times I've seen, sorry, coach, Unger, but the amount of times I've seen coach Unger tear up because he's like genuinely emotional and, and like cares for his players. It's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, like it, it is unbelievable and it's special, you know? And, and for me, I, I tell our guys, like it, it's, it's hard for me to be at times that emotional. I'm just being real, I'm being blunt, right? I'm being authentic, you know, it, as much as I can get there, I need time to get there. You know, I need, mm-hmm. I need time to build a relationship. And, and because of that, maybe just kind of speaking out loud, you know, my goal, at least for the fall with the pitchers, and we, I always kind of break it down to three phases, you know, phase mm-hmm. one with our guys is I describe it. It's, it's my time. Like it, those first few weeks, and it's not a lot of time, but those first few weeks, it's more of, Hey, you know, we're going to kind of, pay attention to how the body's moving, how the arms work. And I'm going to kind of control maybe the distances that you get out to in terms of catch play, or maybe it's only fastballs one week, fastball change up the net, but, but mm. it's a, it's as much as I'm, I'm kind of limiting kind of their freedom for that, that particular two week stint. It's more for me to instill, Hey, this is more of just the discipline of how we stretch. You know, this is mm. the discipline of, or, or what it looks like to be, you know, going through, a J band series or, you know, post throw recovery work, you know, I want it looking this particular way. And it, whether it's OCD or not, and that's not typically a good thing, you know, can be, but you know, it, it, that's just kind of how I handle phase one is I want to set a structure where, you know, they're, they're structured. It's and higher as we focus move into, too. Higher focus. Absolutely. Higher, yeah. well said, higher focus. And, and, and you're paying attention to every detail to possible yeah. phase two Phase two, I kind of, I call it a little bit of a hybrid time. I, I, I personally, and whether our players know it or not, I slowly start to kind of back off, not completely yet, but I slowly start yeah. to back off, but I, but I want now to see them, the individual, I want to see their freedom within the structured system. Yes. But I just want to see kind of how, how they now go about it. 
right? And yeah. and then that might take place over the next few weeks as as I'm kind of allowing them as long as they're earning it, but allowing them more and more freedom. And then by by phase three, which at that point it's usually now we're in competitive scrimmages. It's it's October. We only have six five six weeks left of the fall. Phase three, I, I, that's compete time, which means like mm. that's your time, right? That's the player's time. But yeah, I, I'm here to work with you. I'm here to, you know, set up little one-on-one activities with you. I'm here to come in my office, watch film, break down the metric, I mean, whatever we want to do. But, but this is now, how can, I'm working for you at this point. Mm. What, what, can, what can I do to help you? Because now we're in scrimmages and I want all that. I'm not asking you to compete with a good attitude, right? Just like all coaches do. Mm-hmm. But, but now, now, Hey, what I'm, what can I do for you? And, and that's mm. how we kind of transition at the end of, of the fall um, as they then head to winter break. So, so what mm-hmm. now? Well, I can guarantee you the first few days, January 15th, 16th, when I'm able to be back around our guys, I'm going to have to revert a little bit back to phase one, just because you gotta, you gotta tighten the leash a little bit. They've been yeah. away for, you know, seven, eight weeks, but, but then we'll get quickly back to, you know, com, you know, competing and, and letting them be, be that right. So mm. that authentic self. I want to talk about that phase two sort of transition where you're taking yeah. your hands off a little bit, because I think that's a good opportunity too for you to almost evaluate their level of, what is it? Responsibility, just like just personal responsibility in order to kind of take charge of, of their routines and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously once you get into that phase three, it's like full go, they, they are doing it on their own. Um do you carry that into the off season or well, not off season, sorry, the winter break as well? Uh, because obviously it's that period where, you know, you're not together. So it's like, right. Yeah. How, how does that, how do you make sure that things, the gains that they're making in the fall are carrying through the winter break and then into, you know, in a week or so when, when they are coming back? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, what's crazy is, and you remember this Jack, but you know, there's so many NCA rules of things you can't do during as a coach, you know, during, during winter break, you know, yeah. the, it, even, even in terms of, you know, the communication with your players, they almost need to be more wellness checks where, and of course it's, how's the arm feeling wellness question, right. You know, how's everything going at home? How's mom and dad, you know, okay. Hey, just a reminder, you know, January 15th, we just need to be ready for it, you know, fill me in, et cetera. Uh, how how at least we can kind of continue to you know create a, a system where where they're they're still foundationally speaking they're still you know working towards uh, you know a, a core values here at USD mm. you know even little things I'm thinking about off the top of my head, little things uh, like you had brought up in terms of routines we were talking about routines earlier okay yeah. you know all every every week you know towards in the fall every week on on a Google you know shared doc I'll I'll share Hey, when they're throwing in terms of, you know, you're throwing two innings on this upcoming Friday. And what, what my expectation is, is, Hey, Sunday night, before we get to the field on Monday, Sunday night by 8 PM, you need to log in individually, just what you are going to do that week from Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday and even Saturday, Sunday recovery wise of what's going to best prepare you for then those two innings. Right. Mm. So is it going to be, you know, what this day I want to just kind of get out to the 90 feet, more of a touch and feel, just kind of stay with a fastball. I just want to kind of get the blood flow again. Maybe the next day it's going to be extensive long toss. Let's get on the mound. You know, is it going to be more of a, 
of a you know structured uh, pen where it's competitive, it's it's kind of facing hitters, or is it going to be more of like a a short box where you know maybe it's going to be a little bit more analytically driven? You know, gosh, I I really need to work on you know my four seam spin direction right now. It's 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 creeping into the danger zone. I'm I'm blending it with my mm. two seam. You know, can we get to then me and you? Can we get to some work whether using Rapsodo or TrackMan? So that we can we can really try to work on trying to correct this four seam plateau. You know, mm. I mean, I'm using examples, right? But but our guys will essentially script out kind of a seven day game plan of what they want to accomplish, what I can then also help them accomplish. Okay. But but again, I'm 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 yes, during the fall, I'm forcing them or the spring when they get back, I'm forcing them to do it. I'm doing it because that's where structure still lies. Right. That, yeah. Whether they whether they know it or not, I'm doing it as a challenge to them as well. That has nothing to do with baseball. It has everything to do with can you accomplish a, a diligent plan of attack at Sunday by 8 p.m. Or mm -hmm. are you going to be the individual that flakes? You know, yeah. are, you, are you the individual? Are you the individual that you know what? I'm just going to do the bare minimum. You it's know, a test. It's a test. Uh, it, so they're and they know that they're not silly. You know, mm -hmm. they're not dumb. So so there's definitely some tests involved that, you know, my quirky brain works in a, in a way where you know, the, as much as we're talking shop, it, it's not it's not all the time just baseball that's you know that's being evaluated. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is that more of like a collaboration in terms of the schedule planning for the players? Is that they set it and then you know you say okay maybe some small tweaks here or is that all on them for sure for especially the young guys right like you mean yeah. you think about it we're all we're all lost our freshman year it's the most challenging year in, in college athletics uh mm. but you know definitely or or you know and, and our guys are great i'll even be like hey listen before you enter it even onto that google drive send me send me your thoughts what are you thinking what you know you know and i'll get i'll get a handful especially again those young guys they'll reach out and be like hey Flo, you know what do you think on this day? You know, you, you put me down as you're going to throw, you know, an inning on Tuesday and an inning on Saturday, you know, what, what should I do on Wednesday? You know, do, what's mm. your perspective? You know, what, what do you think I should, should I touch the mound on Thursday or Friday to prepare? And I'll, I'm again, I'm just always real. I'm like, Hey, well, it, each arm is different. So that's part yeah. of the experimentation as well throughout the fall of, Hey, you got to experiment to see what you need to do or how your body's going to react. But, this is what I did, mm. you know, whether it works for you or not, this is what I did. This is maybe what I would recommend or, or, or it's me evaluating their scrimmages in, in let's say week five of the fall. And then when we get to week six, I might go to a particular player and just be like, Hey, listen, man, we're, we're not doing a good job putting, putting away right-handed hitters. You know mm. what? We're, we Can we, I want you to structure your next week plan how you wish. But my ask is, is that when you're on the mound for a bullpen or a short box, you know, let's, let's kind of leave 10 to 15 pitches where I can be, the, and let's like really try to kind of create a, a, a craft of putting away those, those particular hitters, you know, let, uh, let's kind yeah. of specialize, you know, yeah. in, in that, in that way. So, Oh, sorry. It's very, you know, just kind of uh, fluid in, in terms of just kind of how we want to go about it. Um, and it's like, we're in a good place. That's it. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. So you mentioned the word experiment. That's a very interesting word. I, and then you also mentioned some analytic stuff, you know, maybe mixing that in as well. Um, in terms of the fall, how do you intertwine that? And I know every guy's different. So 
it's not super concrete. Like everyone gets one, you know, ball data bullpen or everyone gets one, you know, pitch design bullpen, you know, so how does that work in the fall? Yeah, we, so we don't, uh, I don't really bring out, uh, I don't really bring out kind of the the metrics conversation until until at least I get to see them on the mound once or twice, right? I mean, like you know, there's there's not there's not really a point, you know, to to start really kind of talking just from an analytic perspective. There's not really a point to bring up the analytics until until we have some data to to start building our case. Yeah. Um, now, film might be a little different because we can, you know, we can address film. Film doesn't lie, right? So we can start addressing some some mechanical things a, a little bit quicker. Uh, but our guys, we don't, in the fall, we don't touch the mound until the end of week three. So we go about three full mm. weeks uh, where it's a little bit more, let's, you know, week one's kind of, let's get our, let's get our arms going again. It's it's nice and easy. Let's make sure that, you know, we're coming off of a summer where their guys played summer ball or not. Uh, or we're shut down, et cetera. Let's just make sure things are feeling all right. Who cares where the baseball goes? Let, mm-hmm. We got to make sure that, right? Yeah. Now week two, we can start diving into it. Um, so what we'll do is, is you know, week three, uh, the first time they do touch the mound, it, it's only about 15 fastballs. So so right then mm-hmm. and there, as we get to week four, um, we can kind of start identifying, okay, hey, just different tendencies with a four seam or, or tendencies with a two seam fastball, or if guys have both, you know, uh, now as we get to week four, we can start addressing the, the fastball analytically alone. Uh, at the end of week okay. four, then guys, are, you know, guys will start throwing fastball and changeups. So then in week five, right, always kind of that week ahead in week five, now we can start kind of talking about, well, your changeup plays this way. How can we pair it with this particular fastball or vice versa, right? Your changeup plays this way. You know, maybe we want to kind of add this fastball or improve upon uh, the fastball that you're using, et cetera. And then by the end of, you know, kind of week five, as you can imagine, we're now moving forward. Now we start introducing our, our breaking ball. Doesn't mean that we're not throwing it earlier on. It's just more of we're gaining information. We're gaining data from an analytical perspective. And then we start implementing it with our guides. Uh, and mm. then, you know, my, my biggest thing with analytics is we can all, we're all guilty of it. We can all get lost, right? We can all get lost in, in kind of like we talked about, maybe trying to chase too much, right? Yep. So, so for us, we really, we really want to make sure that we're using the analytics to just continue to emphasize what our strengths are. You know, what, what, who are you as a pitcher? You know, are are you a guy that we have the ability of effectively playing the fastball up in the zone? And then if so, okay, we're going to manage your ratio of using the fastball up in the zone a little bit differently than, you know, maybe your, your prototypical individual that needs to rely a little bit more on, on, on sync or, or shape. Right. And then we can, create profiles with each individual there and and the same then goes with you know is it a guy that you're going to find yourself with more of kind of a sweeping slider is it going to be more of a gyro slider i mean you you start creating a pamphlet right just like you know you could probably you receive for you probably after every single appearance you know for us it might be more weekly you know but but okay hey this is what you did a really good job of this week mm-hmm. and and Analytically speaking, 
this is what's continuing to show us what your strengths are from just uh, analytics, you know, can, can still kind of fool us at times. We know that, but, but this is what at least numbers also suggest that we can try to then work towards. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it, I like to use it more to help reveal strengths rather than yeah. you know, from a weakness perspective. Yes. We, we can use it to help clean things up. Um, but, but again, you, you, Coach Ungrich, you know, he, he played for Tony Gwynn at San Diego State, and, and Tony would tell his, his players, including Coach Ungrich, you know, uh, you, you got to know who you is. That's how Tony, you got to know. <laughs> and, that, and that's kind of an expression that we'll use here. You got to know who you are, right? Like, yeah. Who are you? What's your strengths? What, what, are, what are things that you need to work on? Sure, but, but what are your strengths? Because when we get to competing, you, you know that – there's no such thing as a right or wrong pitch call. It, it's going to be the pitch that you're most confident in that particular moment, right? So, mm. so we try to help that along the way. Okay, so in terms of the um, kind of collaboration that you have with your players, because these days, I mean, it's, we're in the world of information. You know, these young kids, they're, they know about analytics now. It's not, you know, some voodoo <laughs> magic that only coaches know. And, you know, they, they might know some stuff. So how do, how do you, like – navigate the kind of conversations there or maybe if you get like pushback and they say no no no, i'm this analytically or something like that like have you had yeah. any like conversations like uh, that it it it's not rolling my eyes it's more of you know what's the expression the expression i think goes that when you speak you're you're not learning right those who speak do uh, not yeah. learn right? uh, yeah so so for for me I, i'll be the first one to say it I, I take away more from our players or I learn every single year more from our players than I will ever be able to give a player. And that's just, mm. that's just the truth, right? That's the truth. That's um, not humility either. That's just being, just being honest. And yeah. Uh, now, you know what, again, those, those kind of conversations may look like, is a lot i'm very very lucky but it's but it's a lot with like the discovering process you know guys Mm -hmm. that guys that are coming in and and they know they know analytics yeah sure they they know what you know x y and z mean but but again you know at the same time we can we can listen i can listen to kind of what what they believe in and all i can then give them is is factual information and that's the positive thing about analytics is we're talking about black and white right mm-hmm. talking about hey this is a good pitch this isn't a good pitch you know metrically doesn't mean you can't how many times have we gotten good hitters out with bad pitches a lot right hitting is hard <laughs> it, it's so hard to hit right we we, mm-hmm. we forget that at times but but you know again it's it's uh it's just kind of a law of average of, of just being able to have the the conversation at least of tell mm. me about your strengths tell me about your weaknesses now thank you for that information here's what i see more importantly here's what the hitter sees <laughs> you know it, it's like you know it's like when we uh when we go to dude day you know when we're at dude mm. day and you know I, or anytime i'm out there you know in recruiting wherever it's at but mm-hmm. I'm usually not the guy or us as a staff for, for that matter. We're usually not the guys who are holding the radar gun behind home plate. And I'm not saying that's mm. a bad thing. I'm not, it's more of, I like to kind of be down the line. I like to see from a pitcher's perspective, how the body's working, how the, how the arms playing down the slope. And guess what? A hitter's going to tell you if a pitcher is any good or not. 
right? That's just yep. that's just common knowledge. If if a guy, it, regardless of the velocity, is creating swing and miss with his fastball, I would imagine that metrically, then speaking, he's probably got a really good fastball, right? Good and, guess. So so again, that's where for us it's. I, in terms of and this is kind of a little off tangent, but in terms of projection, mm. I would rather watch a guy and how the body moves down the mound and then kind of start to think, okay, what can we work on? What would I be able to tinker with or, or us tinker with, right? What are some things that he needs to improve on with the body? Because I think that you can have the ability in, in our system. And again, mm. my, it, it might be crazy what I'm thinking, but in our system, I think that we can lead to more development by paying more attention to your in the recruiting process to your how your body works than mm. to what the than to what the radar gun has to say. We'll, mm. we'll, we can get you there. We can get you there, but I need to see I need to see a few things first uh, because sometimes that that radar gun might trick you, right? We're, and I'm yep. guilty of it, too, you know. So uh, so again, that's just kind of. I'm not saying that's right whatsoever. I'm just kind of letting you know, you know, just kind of how how I go about it. And for the most part, we do here. I want to ask you now about recruiting. Usually I save it towards the end, but now you're talking about <laughs> recruiting and evaluating guys. Yeah. Because um, because obviously, yeah, like we're talking about metrics and stuff like that. But to me, and it sounds like to you as well, that's not what stands out in a player. It seems like there's other things, and at least, you know, from what I'm hearing in other coaches too, there's other things that stand out in a player. So you know, like how a guy moves maybe on the mound, but even for hitters too, um, I just want to ask you, what are those things that stand out for you in players? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I, I was talking to someone about this recently, but it's not, it's not corny to say because it's the truth, you know, and, and first mm -hmm. and foremost, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that 70% of what we're evaluating, what I'm evaluating it are, are things that you can control. Okay. Start there. Right. I mean, it, it's as easy as a hitter. What's his, what does his 90 consistently look like? You know, what's, what is he, is he, and I'm talking about effort, right? I'm talking about what is he doing down the line, right? Defensively, how does he go out and, and kind of jog out to his position? I, I'm not a stickler. I don't need the guy that's kind of that eyewash sprint, you know, kind of Mario game that's going to a short. I don't, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, it, it, what is he doing from the time the inning ends to then getting to that position? You know, is it is it silly? Sure. Is it nonsense? Or is he is he going about it the right way? Is he going about it in a professional way, right? Like how Derek Jeter would probably take that shortstop position, right? Sure. Um, so again, seventy percent, seventy percent of kind of what we're looking for are are things that you can control. Why, right? The question is why. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, for young players out there, but there's a lot of really good baseball players out there. Oh yeah. Point blank. I mean, there's a lot, and maybe, maybe I'm a little delusional, but they, there seems to be a lot more quality baseball players now at the high school levels than there was even when, you know, 15 years ago when I was in high school, you know, it, 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 there's a lot yeah. of quality players. And, and so don't make my job easy by just taking a piece of, you know, a pencil and, and just kind of erasing or, or scratching off your name because you're not going about the 70% the right way. There, mm. you, you can, you can find a lot of baseball players as, and we're very lucky, but especially right when we're in kind of a Southern California area or, or Southern area in general. Mm. Um, so 
in terms of kind of looking there, I, I always start with with kind of that idea or or just kind of that visual. Uh, in mm-hmm. terms of the player himself, uh, if it's it's not necessarily analytical, but it can be statistical. Okay. We really use one, we use one statistic, you know, we for the most part we use one statistic that can really help us determine if if a guy is a good pitcher and if a guy is a good hitter. And it's as simple as what's his strikeout to walk ratio. That's it, mm. right? I mean, because yeah. you think about it, if you if you're in high school and and you're able to have a three to one or or a four to one ratio in terms of strikeouts to walks. Right. And, and maybe you, you line it up with how many innings pitched as well, just so you can kind of get a gauge of where he's at. Again, hitters are going to hitters are going to tell you if pitchers are any good. Pitchers are going to tell you if a hitters is any good, too. You know, but but you can kind of see from even black and white, you know, what that individual on the mound can do uh, mm. just based off K to walk ratio. Same can absolutely be said at, at the plate. Right. I mean, if, yeah, if you're playing, if you're playing, this is, I always laugh about this one. If you're playing 30 games in high school baseball, which I read jacket, probably 30, low 30, yeah. 30 games in a high school season, mm-hmm. you're telling me that if you struck out 25 times, right. It's almost maybe once per, you're telling me that all of a sudden that's going to magically become better when you get to college baseball. I mean, <laughs> Right, like j- just like the pitchers, right? With the, no. You're telling me that you you're you're telling me that you walked 18 guys in 25 innings on the mound. You think the strike zone's all of a sudden going to be bigger? I mean, we. <laughs> yeah. I used to I used to umpire like you know JV games, and you give the guy two balls yeah. off the plate each way, right? Yeah. So so as simple as it sounds, mm-hmm. it's funny because I think at times we 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 lose. We lose as as on the recruiting side. We lose the simplicity of just watching the game and and being able to see, you know, what maybe a ratio like that can can help us determine. Now, hmm. in the the last percentile in terms of maybe how we do use analytics or or uh, numbers to our advantage, you know, we're so lucky here at USD that that we get some great opportunities of hosting some really quality events, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on campus, whether it's team camps, um, you know, whether it's area code baseball, which is awesome, you know, um, but we, we have a lot of camps that we can run through here uh, through USD and, and sure we'll have the track man on, you know, and, and that might be kind of a, you know, kind of an interesting outlier of, Hey, we really like this guy. Oh goodness, we're kind of in between of you know, do we want to make them an, an offer or an opportunity or not? And then all of a sudden, you know, metrically it's just it's this guy's creating 23 vert compared to seven horizontal on them. And you're sitting there and you're just like, you know what? When this guy gets bigger and stronger, and if he can maintain this and the ball's gonna explode a little bit more here, mm. this guy, this guy might be a guy that we want to move on. You know, yeah. it's, it's that, it comes down to that 10% fringe guy, fringe guy. Yeah. That's, that's a negative connotation, right? But I'm not meaning it though. I'm just saying, is he, or is it the guy that's like, you know what? I'm speaking pitching terms, you know, but you know, this guy's got yeah. as flat as a fastball as it comes. And I know it's 91, 92, but gosh, man, the, metrically it's telling me that, you know, I had a good friend tell me this coach would say, you know, anyone can time up a Boeing 747. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I think that, I think that, you know, that's where that 10% fringe comes in and says, you know what, as much as, 
maybe these other schools are going to go on and we're going to trust what we want in guys. And, and this guy's, this guy's showing us that it's a fringe and now metrically it's telling us it's a no. Yeah. We might be, again, we might be completely wrong. I hope that kid has a successful career. Hopefully he just doesn't beat the Toreros, you know, but I hope <laughs> he wins every other game. But, but that happens, right? It's, it's all a crystal ball. That's just the reality of the, you know, the recruiting side of things. Yeah. When it comes to movement profiles specifically, you have two spectrums. You got the outliers in the good way, you know, and those are the guys, like you're talking about, those are the guys where you're like, oh man, this could be special. And like, yeah. there's a real reason that is, that is enough. That is enough reason to offer a player, honestly, at least in my life. Right. Then again, I'm not no. a coach, but then you have the other side, the, oh no, this is a red flag type of like <laughs> outlier stuff. Like this is, this is alarmingly like bad. Like you said, it's a freaking Boeing 747. It's, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't play. It just simply doesn't play. Right. The only optimistic kind of view I can take from that, which I think is a reality, is that you can kind of help that. You can help that a little bit. You can For make sure. some adjustments there. For and sure. and at least if you're in high school or maybe like you're not where you want to be, like maybe you're not generating the results you want. That's like the one area where analytics numbers you can actually improve in. It's like, okay, you can see if there's a clear problem here. But it's really hard to get from here to here to get to that no, other end it, and I be will, that outlier guy. We will we will take the guy that has that four to one strikeout to walk ratio that metrically has terrible numbers. We will take that guy over the guy that you know might be an even strikeout to walk ratio, but metrically he has the better you know he has the 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 sexier you know metrics. That's the dichotomy. Right, right? And, yeah. And it's tough, right? And, and, and the, mm -hmm. the reason being is, is, and it's a debate, right? It's a debate that we'll always have with, with professional friends of mine. Mm. What it, my job is, I only get three to four years with them. My livelihood is you got to win baseball games, right? You got to win college. You got to win college. Don't, don't even say big. You got to win college baseball games. Mm -hmm. Now, the guy that we just talked about that might have the sexier metrics he might, he might be so much better when he's 27 years old, but guess what? I'm not coaching any of them at 27 years old. Yeah. Right. And, and that's just, that's just the reality of it. You know, so it, it does, it, it comes into it. It's gosh, man. I mean, our, our second rounder that we had this year, this past season, Motsi, mm -hmm. I mean, his fastball profile is abysmal. It, it's not mm. great. We, we turned them exclusively into just a, a firm two seam left-handed arm. And, and even then, I mean, the ball would get flat at times, right? It, it, but that guy pounded strikes. He knew how to compete and it helps when you have a plus out pitch, right? You have a plus secondary pitch, I would say, you know, kind of a, a, yeah. a, a slider that, you know, again, that, that helps. Yeah. But, but that was, again, we're, we're talking, we just like we talked about analytics, we're revealing strengths. All we did was help reveal this is what your strengths are. And when the game yeah. calls for, it, this is what we need to go to, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to win, we're going to win or lose with your best pitch, you yeah. know? And, and, and again, you're, I'm, I love the optimism because you're absolutely right. It, it'd be silly for me to say that that would, that would mean I'm not a coach, right? If, if I were to say, well, this is the only way we recruit and these are the only pitchers that we, yeah, no, that's, that's development. 
development is is okay hey you're we love you we love who you are you're the right type of young man here not even just based student wise character wise. we love we mm. can i am going to be so upset if you're at a different school so you're coming here right <laughs> now yeah. these are things we need to get better at and this is how we're going to do it mm. this is how we're going to attack it yeah that's that's development right that's the, and, and you got it you got to have a mixture of both. I, I think, you know, in, in collegiate baseball, you got to have those yeah. guys. You got to develop these guys if you want to be really good. And you, and you got to recruit these guys if you want to be really good. So it, it's, it's yeah. a really healthy. Balance. So how about when a guy is like struggling? Um, it's either the fall. It could be the weeks leading up to season, maybe in season. I don't know how much you like to dive into numbers and stuff like that during season and from a development side. But when a guy is struggling, um, how often do you like to rely on the numbers or video, what you're seeing? Um, I know every guy's going to be different, but oh, in terms great. of when a guy is struggling, like what is the right. thing that you like to lean on? How do you like to approach that? Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think kind of first and foremost, when, when naturally, when we struggle in life, it's really hard to stay confident. Right. And that goes for yeah. anything that we, right. You, I'm out there playing golf and I continue to shoot a 95. I'm starting to get less and less confident with my game, but it's just, it's just natural. Right. Yep. Now why guys are great is because, you know, you can have a bad outing or a bad, you know, a few games in the box and, and then they're able to separate, right. That's what makes me, mm. that's what makes great players. Great is they can separate between, okay, you know what? I'm having a couple of bad outings. I'm fine everything's good mm -hmm. and confident. I believe in myself, you know, now what makes good players good is, is they go through those ups and downs and that's fine because kind of like what we talked about, that's part of the journey. Like you, yeah. you need, you need, and, and these young guys especially don't know it at times, but you need to fail. Yeah. You, you must fail and, and, and do so early on because, yeah. because that's, what's going to determine you know, what type of young man and, and what type of ball player you're going to become. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of kind of what we go to, right. I, I, I use an example. We had, we have this arm last year. He's back this year. He, uh, outstanding young man um, went through the first month of the season where goodness gracious. I mean, we could have thrown sit and, and it wasn't like it was an explosive 97 mile an hour fastball. We were talking about like a 91, 93 mile an hour fastball, but it was just creating as much swing and miss as, as you can imagine, you know, the hmm. width percent was through the roof for, for at least a collegiate arm. Right. And even, like I said, even at 91 miles an hour, he was, he was making guys look silly with, with really at times just one pitch. And all of a hmm. sudden, you know, as we got deeper into the season, that, that whiff percentage started to lower. Right. Hmm. He, and, and I say with, you can tell from the dugout, he's yeah, all yeah. of a sudden up a little bit more contact. And first it's contact, but then it starts to become barrels, mm -hmm. right? And barrels then start to translate to hits and hits translate to runs. You know the story. So anyways, point being is, is that, yeah, like my eyes are telling me that his fastball is not playing as effectively. I could, mm -hmm. I could go out and probably without looking at it at the time, I could gamble and say that sure, metrically his fastball is probably flattening out. We're probably getting on the side of it a little bit more, but 
we're also now in the middle of our season. Is his body fatiguing? Is he pulling off the ball? Is he not? Is right? So it's that balance of I, I can watch the game and the game's telling me what's going on. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? We come here, we break things down. We maybe find some some flaw in the the body first and foremost of you know kind of like what I talked about. Where's your body at? Where's your arm at? What kind of fatigue are you are you experiencing right now? This is what we need to do from a recovery standpoint to maybe change this mechanically. Mm-hmm. This is just the only little thing that I'm noticing, but maybe that that little spin direction is dropping enough that we're we're presenting a little bit more of a of a flatter fastball, and okay. and so point being is is that you know, we attack it kind of headstrong, but, but also, as you know, you, you can't, you can't hide from the fact that maybe in this case, the fastball isn't as effective. So how are we then going to change our arsenal, right? How are we going to change yeah. our attack? Yeah. You know, maybe those first five, six outings, we could have relied on 65, 70% fastballs, but until we get back to that guy, we might need to drop that thing down to 40% fastballs. So, so now okay. in your catch like work or now in your short box or your bullpen, Hey, buddy, I need you to really focus on just being able to glove strike a slider, being able to glove strike a curve. How does that change up feel? Can we play it? Because the reality is, is if we're going to find success, we might need to eliminate the fastball now to 40, 45%, let the other pitches play until we can get that strength back up. So, yeah. So again, that's, that's the chess game, right? That's the chess game of, Mm -hmm. of, of baseball and and especially pitching. I mean, how fun pitching man it's 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 a freaking art it's an art i mean how yeah. cool is it that we get to you know kind of look at a blank canvas every day and try to figure out you know what we want to do so it yeah. like you said it's experimentation yes but but it's more so a, uh, being able to adapt right adaptation right, right? and and then yes. not to say that yeah not to say that we ever are going to lose you know the strengths it's maybe it's gone there for a few weeks just like you, you maybe for 3 weeks it's going to be a Oh, it's going to be tough. But once we get through it, it's going to make me better because now when I do have my fastball back, I've got an explosive fastball. And because the last three weeks I needed to rely more on my secondary pitches just for strikes, right? For glove strike. Now those pitches are also better, mm. right? I have more yeah. confidence because I, I, I had pitched a little bit differently there for three or four outings. So you, you start to, you start to now maybe potentially create a monster if Again, kind of right where we if this can remain intact, right? If this, <laughs> yeah. if, if, that, if that's not locked. Yeah, it's funny too. You mentioned like drawing back usage percentage for a fastball and you could do it for other pitches too. And some people might think, okay, or pitchers might think, okay, maybe it just like it's not as good anymore, but it's really more of like, oh no, maybe it's more effective at 40% than 70. Like maybe it's better actually. Like, but and it, that's what, it, that's what like some organizations are even finding out too. Like, we like using the slider more. We like, you know, using change-ups, curveballs, whatever it is, cutters. Like, like these guys need to be using these different pitches more. Um, and I, I always have been under the, you know, the impression like you, it's fastball establishes it. You know, like you have to have a, a fastball that plays in the zone. Um, and I'm realizing more. It's like not necessarily do you have to be <laughs> a fastball guy you can have right. a fast everyone has a fastball yes or something that's fast faster but you don't have to be a fastball guy not, uh, not necessarily I, I heard it i heard it whether from a buddy of mine or through a buddy point being 
is I thought it was just so simple yet so so fun to hear. But you know, there's a professional organization that that tells its guys, and and even at the highest levels, mm. the harder you throw, the less you throw your fastball. Yep. And yeah. that you know, and it the harder you throw, the less you throw your fastball. And I uh-huh. think that's so, like that's fun, man, because this game, right? This game is just continuing to evolve, and and us, you know, Jack is pitching guys. You know, it, it's so fun too to see the tendencies of what hitters are trying to work on too, right? It's that cat and mouse game of, yeah, you know, okay, hey, listen, you know, the old the old school way of throwing that fastball down the zone. Well, you know what, my little my little swing that can kind of create some loft. Thank you for doing that because now it's in my barrel plane, right? Just yeah. like just like okay, well then I'm just gonna have to beat you with the fastball above the barrel because guess what? Here in about ten years, you're gonna start hearing about. All right, let's make sure offensively we get on top of the ball. We gotta get back on top of the ball because they're just beating us up. It goes back and forth. That's just mm-hmm. that's just the game, you yeah. Know? And that's the that's the fun part to it, you know. So it, it it's so fun just to you know kind of hear stories, even like yours, Jack, where it's just like each organization, each program. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if to keep it easy, if you can pitch to your strengths, you're in a good place, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And you mentioned the hitters too. That's Interesting because I've always uh, liked consulting hitters, you know, just or talking with hitters just about like, hey, what are you seeing? Like, do you like to do that with your guys hitters? Oh, my gosh. I think it's so important. I, yeah, I it was so funny. A few years back, we would there was a moment in our season where typically and started to backtrack quickly, but typically, you know, I would meet with our pitchers in an office setting to go, you know, just break life down, but talk pitching at least every two weeks, every four, 10 to 14 days, they're in my office mm. for 30 minutes. We're just talking life. We're hanging mm. out. And and when you do that, you talk baseball, right? We talk pitching. And there, there was a few yeah. years and coach Ungerich, coach full, they'll do the same with the hitters. Okay. But, but a few mm. years ago, we came up with this idea. Hey, listen, let's switch for this next kind of couple weeks. So mm. meaning I'm all the hitters are going to come in and sit down in my office and all the pitchers are going to go to, you know, the, the hitting coaches offices. Interesting. And it's not, it wasn't a rag set, but it was just like, Hey, this is what I see from you. I, I'm a pitching mm. guy. This is what I, see. this is how I would attack you. Right. And, or, or the, or the, the hitter asking, yeah. So I, I just can't get, I, gosh, man, on this particular pitch, this is what's happening or in this count, this is what I'm feeling. I'm like, well, this is what I'm seeing. And it, mm-hmm. it just allows a different lens and like you're doing, I think that's awesome. It's phenomenal. I mean, it, more yeah. of that needs to take place. I think at the, at the amateur level, right. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine at the professional level, it probably takes place a little bit more often, but I'm learning high school, level, <laughs> right. At the high school level, hopefully for our guys at the collegiate level, gosh, I mean, some of the best conversations I remember in college where I was lucky enough to w- live with position players. You know, mm-hmm. so like yeah, I'm going yeah. home after after a scrimmage, and you know we had this little whiteboard in our living room where we would keep stats just exclusively against one another throughout the fall. Yeah, like, oh, roommate, roommate one, you're one for seven against me this fall. Or roommate two, you, you kind of own me right now. Gosh darn it, right? But <laughs> but more, yeah. more more importantly, it was the conversations that we would have. Uh, hey man, mm. this is I love you to death. I know you're kind of going through it. This is just what I see. From a, from my pitching side, or or mm-hmm. my buddy, my teammates, my roommates telling me that as well on the pitching side. Mm. Hey, this is what I'm seeing. 
gosh, when you're not able to, to consistently, you know, throw that change up for a strike, it, it's so easy to hit off of you. You know, I, I'm just using examples, but yeah, but, uh, but point being, that's fun, man. That's, that's why we do this. Thing. Well, so what about, um, at bat to at bat? Cause the hitters, it sounds like, you know, we're on the same page about how hitters can like tell a story. They can, they can tell a story to the pitchers during the at bat. They can also tell us a lot of really useful information with what they're seeing. But do you like to talk with your pitchers about reading hitters during an at bat, which this is something I, I'm learning about right now. So no, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's tough, right? That's where as a coach, you gotta, you gotta be so careful mm -hmm. to, to who you're, especially in a game to who you're getting yeah. information to. Cause right? nothing's so, concrete. Like no, nothing is concrete when it comes to that absolutely and 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 then too what's also difficult is you know what i'll do is let's say i'm, I'm in the game right i'm making notes and, and just kind of or reading swings mm -hmm. just prepare for future at bats i'll always have at least one probably two of the the pitchers um that are they're maybe not hot that night or, or maybe the next day starter is always near me and we'll we'll talk about loud we'll have dialogue okay. hey what do you and i'll ask him like what do you see here yeah you know this is I see, you know, for, and then we'll tailor it to, to how he pitches because right. Each one of us throws differently. You're not, you're not going to say, Oh man, we're, we're just going to blow this guy up with fastballs tomorrow. Well, the guy who's throwing tomorrow has a different fastball than the guy that's throwing currently. Right? Yeah. So, so that's where the conversation maybe turns into, Hey, you know, tomorrow night starter, this is what I see. What do you see? Awesome. Okay. How do you think you should attack him? Oh, interesting to hear. This is how I think we should move on him. Like mm. that to back. Oh, okay, cool. Dialogue. Now, again, that that's someone that's not pitching that night. I, I feel a little bit more comfortable kind of creating a little bit more dialogue then. For guys who are currently pitching, it's more of if there needs things to be said, it'll, it'll definitely be said kind of in between those innings, you know, a starting arm who's, who's going to get you five or six or seven innings, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. Hey, listen, we're getting back to the top of the order. This is what the leadoff hitter kind of showed us in his previous at bat. This is kind of what I'm thinking here, but, but be able to adapt, right? Yes. Got it. Cool. Or, Hey, you got him out on this. Way. How do you want to attack it this time? Mm -hmm. And, and put, put if the, if your pitcher is saying, Hey, I want to lead this guy off with a, you know, kind of a backdoor slider. And then I kind of want to move a one seam. Okay, let's go. Yeah. I'm not throwing. I, as a pitching coach, I would, you know, we've all been to Disneyland Jack. Remember that, you know, the jungle cruise rise where there's that silly commentator who's making, you know, well, the eighth one of the world, the backside of the waterfall or whatever it is. Yeah. That's just, that's just me. I mean, I, I tell our guys, mm. like, I'm, I'm just a tour guide. I'm, I'm here to, to allow some assistance, but you guys are the ones with the baseball in your hand. You guys yeah. are controlling the game. It, just like allowing the free, they can, they can, we use a swipe system, but you know, you can shake off whatever pitch is called as long as you're confident about your decision, mm -hmm. you know, then, Hey man, we all know we've all been there. You know, you, yeah. you got, you got to trust what the pitcher wants to throw. At the same time, though, like during season, it sounds like you call pitches, and that's probably because you're a lot more prepared than a, than a pitcher typically is. You have more information to go off of too. It's literally your job. So right, but it, but it also sounds like guys can shake, you know. So is that is that something that's uh, everyone is allowed to do? Is that an earned thing? Uh, is it different for every no, guy? No, it, it's every guy knows about it from day one. I mean, when okay. we start scrimming, right? I mean it. And I tell it the same thing to our catchers. You know, it, it, it's not just the pitchers that are allowed to shake. If if I 
you know, now everything's through the little radio deal, right? With, yep. with college athletics, but um, you know, hey, catcher, I want the, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Mm. I tell him, I was like, hey, if you don't, if you're right there again. You are, you have the best seat in the house. If you don't like that pitch call, then change the pitch. <laughs> again, as long as you're confident behind it, right? Mm. And, and and as long as you can come back to, and it, even if we give up a bomb, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm kind of chuckling, but you know. Tell me why. What was your reason? What did you see? Okay, that's if you're yeah. convicted. If you're convicted behind why and you're confident as well, I, I mean, I've been allowing guys to do that ever since starting, so six, seven years ago. And it, the amount of times that it ends up working out in comparison to the alternative, it's so high. Hmm. You know, it, the percentage is so successful, and of course it is it's because what the catcher wanted to call or what the pitcher wanted to throw. Yeah. So I mean, it, that's just, that's just the game of life right there. Hmm. So what about during like a season, during the season specifically, uh, if a guy's struggling, this isn't about pitch calling necessarily, but guys, you know, not doing so hot during the season. Um, is there, is there an approach you like to take in terms of, okay, you know, this is like, your game stuff do you like to review the game stuff you know do you like to to look at it in terms of uh the ball data or the biomechanics and stuff like that i mean how, how do you like to approach guys like during the season because obviously it's a lot more hectic during the season you're a lot busy you got games four times a week you know so there, there's a lot more that's going on during the season first and foremost you want to make sure this is again okay right so i mean it mm-hmm. i'm not afraid we're not afraid where you know, Tuesday, there's a young bullpen arm that just had a freaking tough night the night before. You know, it's it's Wednesday practice now, and I pull him over. I'm like, tell me what's going on. I can tell that you're, you know, you're frustrated. Well, of course I'm frustrated. I gave up four runs in an inning. What? But let's talk. Okay, give me more. Give me more. Okay. Uh, how how hard are you trying right now? Do you need to try less? Because mm. probably more times than not, you do. So here's what we're going to do. We're lucky enough to live in beautiful San Diego. You're going to be off today. You're going to get in your car. You're going to grab your surfboard and you're going to go ride some waves. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, there's no point of you, right? You're not, you're not here mentally. Like there's no point uh, for them to, yeah. for you to be physically. Right. Mm. And that's not a bad thing. It's like, or, you know, Hey, go catch a movie. You love you. I know with this player, you love going to see movies. There's that new Avengers movie out, you know, go, mm. Go watch a movie. Reset tomorrow. Let's meet up. Yeah. Let's hang out. I'll bring you some breakfast. Let's watch some film. Mm. Let's break things down. And, and let's talk life. And the next thing you know is, you know, on Thursday morning, you roll around, you realize that that guy had a fight with his girlfriend because we're in college and, we, you know, we can't handle things. And, uh, you know, and that guy's going through a tough time. And you figure that out through, you know, through conversation. But point being is, is mm. you kind of you kind of have to let them. You kind of you need to make sure that they're they're approachable and they're able or, or willing to want to be present with baseball before you get. You can't just stuff it down their throat. Right? Yeah, they got to be receptive. They got to be right. open. Yeah. Exactly. And and yeah. then when we get there, it's not, you know, and I'm, I'm typically a, a pretty even killed guy. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll break a clipboard over the course of the season once, you know, but, <laughs> but, 
the point being is, is that, and I hope our guys know this most importantly is there might be a time where I'm just, I am, I'm, I'm in a bad mood and that sucks for you. And I'm sorry, you know, and I yeah. might lose, I, I might just be, oh, I'm on edge that day and we're humans too. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and we have a tough, you know, game where we win or we lose or whatever the case is. And, and I, and I get frustrated, but I can guarantee you that it's not like I go home and I sit around, you know, at home and I see my wife and I'm like, oh man, I really got Johnny today. I'm so happy I blew him up. No, it's, it's actually like the opposite. It's like, gosh, yeah. man, I need to, I need to text Johnny or shoot him a call in the morning just because I got him bad tonight. I mean, it, it, mm. and my, all the story to my wife and poor my wife, right. She's got to hear everything, but you know, and, and the next thing you know is, I mean, our guys know this, but when the, when the sun rises that next morning, it, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not one to hold a grudge, maybe at times mm. to a fall. Right. But, but yeah. okay. You needed to hear that. Yes. But I, I needed to say that selfishly for me. And now I'm past that. Right. And I'm mm. sorry that, but now let's, let's break this thing down and let's reset. What can we, the end of the game is the end of the day, excuse me, is again, kind of like we said early on, I work for you. Yeah. I work. So, so what can I do? What, what can I do to help you? And that, Mm. that's very lucky that, you know, the the few times where something like that's happened. I mean, 24 hours later, we're in a really good place because of it. Yeah. Well, you're, you're saying, what can I do to help you? What about those guys during the season? They are not getting the playing time that they want. Obviously you have 20 pitchers or whatever it is, and you can't play all 20. There's going to be guys that are not playing as much. And as you also know, game one to game 50, something, the lineups are going to be different. Roles change. Things happen. You got to have guys that maybe aren't playing as much in the beginning of the season that maybe are playing more during the season. You'd hope that guys are developing and getting better. Um, so how do you keep those guys ready? How do you help those guys stay ready for when their name is getting called? Yeah, you got to, you honestly got to pay attention to them more, right? Mm. So, so, you know, let's say, let's say there's 12 guys, like you said, there's 18 guys on a pitching staff and okay. 12 of them are going to throw, are going to be involved heavily, right? Maybe, maybe not the 11th and 12th arm are throwing 50 innings, but you know, they're going to throw 20 innings or 25 innings, you know? Yeah when I'm at practice or, or when I've got a couple hour installment of free time on, on an off day, meaning a non-game day, right? Like a practice day, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that half of that time spent at least with, with one or or maybe a couple of those six other guys that haven't seen the the field, you know, as much as Mm. they'd like. Yeah. You you can't, you can't abandon, you know, you can't abandon those guys because they're not throwing as much right now, because like you said, you never know when you're going to really need them. Mm-hmm. Right. And most importantly, it's not, it's not me needing them. It's you never know when they're going to need to believe in themselves. Mm. Right. Yeah. So how do we, as a coach, how do we continue to instill belief? How do we continue to instill confidence in these young guys, these young players, even though maybe they haven't touched the ball in a game for four weeks, how do yeah. you do it's tough. It's tough to do. Right. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I have the right answers to that. I'm just saying you, you can't just cast them aside. Oh no, that that's when, that's when bad things happen. And yeah, goodness. I mean, a couple of years back, we had a young arm who's a junior now, uh, but we had a young arm in his freshman year where, 
we had 16, 17 pitchers. He would have been ranked 18th. There was probably a position player in front of him. I mean, it was it, it was a rough fall. Mm. It was a rough winter. We just so happened to open the season, and, and we got into a situation in the game where he was the last guy that hasn't thrown yet in, in the first weekend series. I mean, it was it was wow. not a pretty pitching weekend. And, yeah. And and so we threw him out there. And next thing you know, we're down by four runs in like the seventh inning. He goes seven, eight, nine, no runs. We win the baseball game. Talk about a story. Jeez, you know, this yeah. young man, you know, this young man who who probably I swear to, and I probably can find this, Jack, but I swear to goodness, his fall in his freshman year, he probably had a 30 ERA. I mean, it was terrible. Yikes. It was terrible. But yeah, but that guy ended up being a, a freshman all-conference arm as a freshman, all-conference arm as a sophomore, was a Cape Cod all-star this past summer. I mean, that, that that's where that's where I told you, right? Like, failure is a good thing, right? It, yeah. That guy went through so much failure that when he got his opportunity, he had a choice to make. It, mm. And you can't – I don't know if you can really, to be honest, teach too much of that. You got to have some of it, kind of some of that dog in you too. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. give him credit, you know, get where credit's due. But, you know, that guy's most likely going to eventually move into professional baseball. Mm. And, you know, that, that guy, that guy had a 30 ERA as a freshman, you know, in the fall and, and was the 19th pitcher out of 17 pitchers to begin the year. Talk about stick to I mean, my gosh, <laughs> that's, that's the word right there. He defined it. That's yeah. awesome. It's, I mean, it's an awesome story for sure. Yeah. Um, and, okay. So I now I want to kind of carry this into like the recruiting side of things because it's really hard to find that. But yes. has that like has that changed over time in terms of how you evaluate players? I would imagine it has just with the you know kind of um, the birth of the information era. But how how is uh, the way like you evaluate players or look at players uh, changed over time? And then also it's got to be different for high school, junior college, and like transfer portal guys, right? Yeah, that's a, kind of starting there, right? I mean, it's it's crazy that there's now there's one more avenue, but it's a giant avenue, the transfer portal of, of kind of where you can recruit players from. Mm-hmm. And, and my thing is, is I, again, I'm speaking just for us here at USD, but yeah, I don't think we're ever going to be a program that that can rely on the transfer portal, and nor do we. You know, it, we're not going to be we're not going to be the program that's bringing in, you know, 15 guys a year off the transfer portal. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's just not who we're going to be. Yeah. Uh, for good or for bad. Um, and that's just because, again, like I told you, our school being so academic, mm-hmm. so difficult at times to get into making yeah. sure that we're finding the right fit socially. Right. And and through character, yeah. you know, we're, yeah, we're going to we, we might bring in two players a year off the transfer portal that we previously recruited out of high school. So we have a relationship with or had a relationship with, mm-hmm. and, you know, notice that, that they want to look elsewhere and, and we're lucky enough that they now want to call USD home. Right. Yeah. But, but I think that, you know, kind of what, what we look for or, or how it, you know, how it works in terms of those different, the, the transfer portal, the junior college um, Avenue or, or then the high school Avenue is, we're also not intimidated, you know, uh, meaning when we know, when, when we know, we know, you know, mm. we're, we're as much as we're not bringing in 30 guys to recruit. If, if we see a young sophomore in high school that I am just like, 
adamant behind or Coach Ungrich or Coach Full. We are just so strong-willed on, and we're gonna we're gonna move on it. And, yeah. And, and it, it's it's not it's not because we want to be you know that school that that's perceived as aggressive. It's just like if you want to ask the girl at the school dance, then ask her. Yeah. And if she says yeah. if she says no, then she says no. Move on. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and like I said, there's a lot of really good baseball players out there. Yeah. And we hear no as much as we hear yes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, for us, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I, I don't really foresee us kind of altering too much now with the emergence of the transfer portal in, in how we recruit high school players mm-hmm. uh, or college players. Um, but again, that's just because I don't, we're not going to be a program that can rely on the transfer portal uh, okay. as much. Yeah. So it doesn't really it change our, our flow, you know, to, to high, specifically high school or junior college recruiting. Okay. Um, like I said, we're on average, we're going to bring in 10, 11, maybe 12 players a year. Um, you know, so, so as you can imagine, you know, we're, we're with our 23 class or 24 class or 25, we're, we're, we're kind of on pace for that number. And, and that's okay. a good thing. That means that we're that we're in a good place. Yeah. What about the flip side of it, where you're trying to keep players from leaving USD via the transfer portal? What's like your guys' um, best sort of way to combat the transfer portal and losing guys to it? To be honest, it, it that's such a real question, right? It's such a real question of you have you have recruiting right in high school right this, this, this is just, let's just generalize the recruiting process right mm-hmm. you, you, you recruit a player and you potentially move into a, a this stage of offering a, a, a verbal offer right for the most part but a, a verbal offer to that player stage one he commits awesome you accomplish stage one well mm-hmm. stage two is, is i mean a lot of these players now are are not afraid to decommit. Yeah. In school. And, and the, the, hey, it is what it is. You know, so so stage two then is is well, sweet, you're you're verbally committed, but we gotta continue to still recruit you, love mm. on you, mm-hmm. you know, coach not coach you, but just be there for you until then you sign. Mm. Right? You sign, okay. Now now at least we can maybe that's where we can sleep a little bit more comfortably knowing that now through contract base, you, you are committed to the university of San Diego. Well, mm-hmm. then, then what's crazy about baseball, right? Jack is you can get drafted out of high school. Yeah. Right? So now, now mm-hmm. our top, you know, our top incoming guys, now we're recruiting them in stage three before there, there's three stages before they even step foot on campus because, you know, yeah. we're recruiting them to come to USD instead of sign a, a professional contract. Now, if, if they're getting a million five right 1.5 1 point out of height that's a family decision that, that we tell our guy that's your decision yeah right and mm-hmm. and that's that's another thing but but again we're, we're just trying to educate from our side or at least kind of continue to to remind them what we have to offer here so that again that's mm-hmm. stage three and now point being is jack we get to we get to now stage four which which never was a thing until a few years ago yep. but it's it's the it's the recruiting of your own players because those, those players can can go in the transfer portal as you wish, right? Yeah. Here's the one thing that I'll say is for us, 
I call it stubborn, call it crazy. Yes, we're going to lose a player or two to the transfer portal over my career of coaching because I hope I'm coaching long enough to say that we will, right? But but the truth is, is I'm not too worried about it. Mm. I, I can say that with confidence too. And and here's the reason is is I don't I can't promise a kid or or more importantly their family that we're gonna win every baseball game. I, I can't promise that we're gonna be in a super regional or college world series, you know. But what what I can promise a player, and I think our guys really understand this is I don't know if there's too many other better programs out there that are going to take care of their son. They're, mm. they're genuinely going to be there for their son. Mm. And that's, again, call me stubborn, but I will, I will go toe to toe with any, any program in the country in saying that we might not be the best, <laughs> but we are one of the best programs in making sure that we are taking care of your young son that, that you're dropping off. Right, whether it's right yeah. down the road or three thousand miles away, mm-hmm. and because of, because of the environment that we we really work hard, it's it it looks like it's easy, but it's not. But the environment that we really try to create, you know, we're very fortunate enough that the guys just want to be here. Mm. You know, guys guys are dying to be here, and and there was no, you know, there was sorry again to go on a tangent on it, but the final thing I had to. No, it's you know, there is no clearer picture yeah. than when, when Coach Ungrich actually got this job. You know, Coach Hill, amazing man, gave both Brock and I the opportunity of coming here to USD. We love him to death and forever appreciative. And he all of a sudden, you know, he calls me and Coach Ungrich the night before and he talks to the team and says that he's going to go to Hawaii, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh He's like, well, I'd love for you to come to Hawaii with me, but I know that you and you know two five, you and Brock are so close that if he ends up getting that job, I I need you to stay at USD because hmm. I, I need you guys to I need you guys to continue to to you know move the torch. Hmm. And and so for two and a half three weeks, the University of San Diego didn't have a a, a called head coach. Right yeah. during the head coaching uh, search, national search, right? And for three weeks there, I can't tell you the amount of phone calls that Coach Ungrich and I had, yes, the amount of, of planes that we were getting on to go check in on our, our current players across the country. Um, but what the coolest thing was is, is that every time we talked to, you know, our 35 players, they just said, hey, Flo, or hey Brock, don't worry, man. If you guys are here, we're here. If you guys are here, we're here. Mm. And, and there was nothing more gratifying than that. And and goodness gracious, you know, we ended up in a position where look at it. All those guys could have gone in the portal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 20, 20, 21 days without a head coach, not knowing who their head coach. I mean, they're hoping but not really knowing, I mean, they could have jumped in there and explored, you know, and, and there was plenty of talent because, because what happened fast forward 12 months from coach Ungrich being hired, you know, we're in a, we're in a regional, you know, beating Vanderbilt 12 yeah. months later. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like how cool is that? So, so again, I, sorry to be emotional about it, but I, <laughs> we can never, we can never promise that we're going to win X amount of games. Have we won games? Yes. And we've won a lot of them. You know, we can mm. never promise that your son's going to be drafted in the top 
X amount of rounds. Do we have top five rounders through? Yes, a lot of them. But what I can say with confidence is that put us toe to toe with, with a lot of programs out there. Uh, we're going to make sure that, that we take care of our guys. And, and I think then proof in the pudding really, really revealed itself, you know, during that, that coaching search um, mm. where we had, had our guys and they were reminding us, they were probably allowing me to sleep below. Hey, we got you flow. Don't worry. You guys are here. We're here. So it, it's a, it's cool to see that, that thing turn full circle. Yeah. That is a cool story. Wow. I mean, so we can just end it now. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to end it now. <laughs> I got to ask about you. I got to ask about you. I want to ask oh, that's about. That's no, no, no. I got, I got some good questions. Come on. I got to ask right, about I you. Okay. Okay. First, first one though, I just kind of want to ask like, if you always knew you wanted to get into coaching or if not, how did you get into coaching? How did you get into wanting to be a coach? Right. Right. Um, I always loved teaching or the idea of teaching. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I, gosh, I remember even first grade, you know, you remember those days where it's like, you show up as as like your professional, what you want to be when you're older, you know, you're, you're six Mm -hmm. years old. I showed up literally as like a professor, like at a briefcase and Apple, you know, Oh man, uh, right. And, and so I always, I always really enjoyed the idea of teaching as you then get older, you're like, Whoa, like you can kind of teach baseball and you're now all of a sudden called a coach. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember being 12 years old and I'm sitting there in little league and, you know, a good player, you know, good player. And, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm telling myself, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a big leaguer one day. Like I'm going, I am confident. I'm going to be a big leaguer one day. And the funniest thing about it was, was I was visualizing myself. I'm going to be a big league coach one day. It wasn't oh. as, a, as a big, it, it was, I'm going to be a big league. That, that's so, you know, a 12 year old interprets it. I don't know if that's technically a big leaguer, if, you know, you only make it as a coach, but, but that's what, that was my, you know, 12 year old self, what I was, what I was kind of telling myself. Hmm. Um, and, and so then, you know, you're going through the college side and, and again, I, I was a dorky left-handed pitcher that found success in college, but you know, it, it, I knew that that professional was probably a long shot. And uh, what was neat was, is that, you know, my previous boss and and also the, the coach I played for, Coach Gill, and, and you know, who I love to death and played for at LMU, he allowed me to kind of coach, you know, as a, as a junior, mm-hmm. as a senior. You know, he, he allowed me to teach because he knew that, he, or at least maybe he could see, and I don't know for certain, but he probably saw that I had passion in it mm-hmm. uh, or told um so i, I kind of got a grasp for it and uh you know fast forward a year after graduating and i spent a year away and and uh you know a, a role was going to be opening up at lmu and you know i was, I was in communication with gilly and just kind of you know what do you got i was at a job where i was making good money at 23 years old or whatever it was and he was mm-hmm. telling me to you don't want to coach Matt. You don't want to coach Matt. You don't want, you're, you're, you're going to be making, you're making more now than you will, you know, years from now. And, and, and he was saying now knowing he was saying all the right things. He really mm. was. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember hanging up that call and calling my dad who, you know, a, a man of few words, but, but when they are spoken, they're wise. And, mm. uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden I, I asked him, what's your take on this? You know? And, uh, the the most surprising, but also some of the best 
advice that I learned from him was, he's like, Matt, whether you start or continue this professional career of yours at 23 years old, or you started at 30 years old, by the time you're 45, 50 years old, you're going to be the same, the same man. You're going to have the same liquidity. Mm. You're going to have the same, you know, wife. You're getting, your point being is, is that make a risk, man, make a jump. This is what I, you know, he, he speaking for him, but he knew that I loved, you know, what teaching, he knew that I loved the idea mm. of baseball. And, and yeah. so I was, again, that was surprising to hear, to be honest. I, I thought he was, I thought he was going to maybe play kind of the 50, ah, oh, it'd be awesome. But you know, you got some, <laughs> and he was just a great shooter of do it. You're 23. What do you got to lose? Uh, yeah. So again, I'm, I'm thankful for those words or that recommendation, but, but extremely thankful for then the opportunity that was presented through Gilly at, at, to return to my alma mater too. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this is an easy follow-up. What were you going to do if it wasn't going to be coaching? Oh man. I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can say it, but uh, I was actually working a handful of months in, in the political scene. Um, oh, so I, I interesting. Working... You don't strike me in that, you know, as Good. a guy that was working yeah, in that that's, area. That's a, win. that's a win right there. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I was, I was in the political scene. Uh, helping out with campaigning in, in different areas as well. Uh, and I, hmm. and then I also eventually actually moved into uh, a sales job, uh, you know, hmm. there after, after a few months of, of working in politics. So it, it would have been more on the, you know, like probably most recruiters, right. But kind of the sales side of things or, or continuing hmm. to involve myself um, in the political uh, scheme of things, okay. just because what are those two things have in common? Well, you better be really competitive if you want to be successful. I was going right? to say, and, I was going to say, yep. So, uh, you know, I think, I think that's kind of why my, my heart was, uh, was in love with those two ideas of, of those professions. Hmm. Okay. So I want to ask about USD now, just your, you know, opinions on USD. What's something about USD that most people might not know uh, that you really like about it? Oh man. Uh, again, I, the sense of community, kind of starting there, uh, mm. the community that USD presents, it, it's not, you know, you're talking about an undergrad enrollment of 6,700, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not, I tell, I tell recruits, it's like, you're not, if you're coming here thinking that Lee Corso and Kirk Herbshire are going to show up on college game day, then this isn't the place to be because it's not, <laughs> you know, we've got a really good FCS team. Yes. But you know, we're not going to be hosting college game day. We're not going to be, you know, we don't have a Greek row, you know, per se. And, and mm. um, you know, but but if this is a place that that you know that you're going to be taken care of, uh, not just on the baseball, I'm talking about in school, uh, academically mm. speaking, small yeah. classes, you know, the intimacy of the, of the campus, um, it, the community here is, it, it goes back to that, that expression that I was telling you, Jackie, where it's like, if you feel comfortable, you're typically then confident. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think you know, this place presents itself as being or allowing comfortability, not just for our young men on the team, but for our young students, young men and women that attend this university. Mm. Um, in, terms of, in terms of things that, you know, it's kind of some insights in, in terms of things that, you know, baseball-wise that people might not know. You know, it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, it's my follow-up right now. No, so. more, more, more credit goes to Coach Hill, you know, again, mm. who was here for 
20 plus years prior to coach Unger just recently taking over. And yeah, we've been here for five, five of those years now. So we're, we're kind of on the coattails, but uh, you know, from a baseball standpoint, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a program that, you know, since, since us being here, coach Ungrich and I, you know, we're, we're in the top five in the West coast for the highest winning percentage, uh, you know, overall uh, from a professional development standpoint in the last couple of decades or near couple of decades, we're one of the top three leading producers of MLB draft picks on the West coast. Mm. Uh, and then another, another really amazing statistic is, is that, you know, over the last 17, last 17 seasons, at some point in every single one of those seasons, USD has actually been ranked in national polls. I mean, think about 17, wow. 17 years in a row of, of being a, a national brand at, at some point, you know, whether it was a week yeah. or, you know, a month or, or it counts. a season. That counts. Right. Every year it counts. And, and, and so, you know, 17 years in a row where I can tell a family, well, at least odds are that you're going to be a top 25 on, on a top 25 caliber team year in and year out at this point. Yeah. You know? and, and so I think that's something that's really neat that, you know, you're able to combine the fact that it, it's had so much success from the wins and the losses, so mm -hmm. much success development, sending guys to pro ball. And then you put those things together, you know, so much success of, of being maybe a small school, yes, a beautiful facility, but a small school, but we're, we're not just competing at a small level, you know, mm. we're, com we're competing at a, at a, in a national brand, you know, so it, it, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty special. Uh, and I'm very lucky. Cause again, I, I'm just, we're just right on the coattails of, of coach Hill, but we're very lucky to be able to, to actually speak that and advertise that to young players that, that want to be here, you know? And, mm -hmm. and again, it, it, just like I told you, we, we, we hear no just as much as we hear yes. And that's totally fine. I mean, why, why on earth would I want, or we want a player that, that doesn't want to be here that all of a sudden wants to commit here. That doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so whether you like it or you're not, it's, whether it's a good fit or not, just be honest, communicate and, and we'll take the guys that do want, want to be here. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you gotta you gotta kind of love being there, you know. If you're gonna choose to be there for four years, that's just my little take. No, um, but yeah, love it. Love it. Um, so I, I got two two more questions left. Um, love it. First one: If you go back in time, tell your uh, year one of coaching self, you know, just mm -hmm. one piece of advice to kind of help help yourself along the way, get to your you know current self. What would it be? Oh man. Like what I could do over maybe that's yeah. We could actually do that. I actually like that too. I, I would say Matt breathe. Holy cow. Breathe. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think that I think in reflection, right. It, it's difficult because, you know, think about this. I, I returned to my alma mater mm. and I was only one full year, so you know, a year and a half removed from from just graduating from this university. And so, I'm, what, 23, 24 years old, jumping into coaching, and I'm coaching guys that I played with. Yeah, that's wild. And so, so the challenging, the challenging part, and this is where I failed. And again, this is I'm I'm learning. I'm I'm all. I'm, I hope I always continue to learn, right? But but where I mm -hmm. failed was is I felt as though I needed to make sure that, you know, some of these guys saw me now as a coach 
rather than, you know, the teammate they had a year and a half ago. And that doesn't mean I was going on tangents or, you know, yelling. I mean, I was still the same personality, but I, but I kind of created a little bit of distance, which was probably needed to an extent. Yeah. But, but gosh, man, I mean, those are some of my best friends, right? Mm. I, I wish, I wish I could go back in that first year and, you know, tell guys like Colin Wellman, you know, after he threw on Friday night for the fourth year in a row and freaking just put my arm around and give him a hug, like little, like little mm. things like that. Or, you know, Trevor McGill, who, who ends up being a big, I, I just wish I could have, you know, listened more or asked more questions. And instead of feeling like, okay, well, like, I, I need to go, I need to go here. Cause I'm, I'm coaching you now. You know, yeah. I, like, that's where, that's where, uh, if there was a do over, you know, I, I never, I don't think I was really everyone to scream and yell and, create chaos but but that is something that you know would be fun to kind of redo the 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 relationships side right it's interesting too because you're mentioning like you've you've got to earn that you know that level of respect obviously like but you also want it's all it's also people you know it's a person so you want to build a relationship with them it's a it's a tough line to toe but i mean yeah i mean you got to learn you got to just learn (laughs) just by doing it it sounds like that sounds like it's the best way Absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Um, I ask it to every guest. It's um, what is your most memorable recruiting visit? Now it could be a player coming to you. It could be you going to see a player and interaction you had. It could be a train wreck. It could be a success story. It could be like a trip that you took even where something just went sideways. Um, Yeah. Really anything, anything that just sticks out to you, you know, just comes into your mind. Um, But yeah, just, memorable recruiting visits or stories i'll go i'll go quick fire three three quick ones because you you kind of you kind of brought up something yeah funniest trip funniest trip was 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 back when i was probably recruiting ian churchill of all people but before he went to the university of arizona okay he was at santa barbara yep recruiting ian churchill i was up in i flew from los angeles california up to alaska to go watch him throw and I was oh. up in Alaska for no more than about 19 hours. So I, I made that oh. five and a half hour flight to be there for 19 hours and back. And we didn't get the player. Well, we did, but years later. So it ended later. up working out. Right? Oh, so wow. So that's, that's, that's funny location of, of a 19 hour trip uh, that Coach Ungrich actually sent me on. That's crazy. To, wow. To Alaska. But it all worked out, right? He, he, the guy, the guy now is playing pro ball and helped us win a, a conference championship. So that's awesome. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a good one. Number two, number two, maybe like a, not a negative story, but, but a learning, a learning lesson for maybe some, some high school players. Uh, they need it. Uh, there we all do. I uh, had this player on campus walking around this player with, uh, with uh, another coach, uh, mm-hmm. a peer of mine. We were going to offer this player a pretty, pretty decent sized scholarship. And within about 20 minutes of walking around with the player and his parents, this other coach and I were like, excuse us, we, we got to, you know, we got to, you know, go make sure that everything's okay. We're about to head up to the head coach's office. Mm-hmm. We can scurry away and we look at each other and we're like, there is no way that we are going to be wanting this player on our pro. Have you noticed his parents? Have you seen how inconsiderate they are? Do you know oh. how, how just how terribly 
that these parents are ruining it this for the so this is more of a lesson unfortunately parents, Sorry, parents, dude, parents I knew it's the parents if you do hear this if you do hear this everything is being evaluated and we walked back and we told our head coach that we don't want it. and the kid ended up going elsewhere and you know whatever happens happens but but point being is is that yeah when we recruit when we recruit it's not just we're recruiting the player we're recruiting the family right this is a family atmosphere we want we want the family to be a part of it yeah so that, that, oh that's a that's a good one there and then the final one a, okay a, a good story right a good story um kind of on the reversal side of things we were we were kind of going into the office and um i was adamant that i, I really wanted this particular picture um was gung-ho about it and and the beautiful thing was is that I was, I was i was really young on the coaching side it might have even been my first summer that i was out recruiting mm-hmm. you know and, and the other coaches they were they just peg questions at me are you sure are this and that and that you know and and hmm. i said can we can we at least you know guys can we at least offer them you know a a a, a roster spot you know a, a non-scholarship position can we at least do this like i, I really want it okay and so it ended up being maybe one of the first or second guys that, you know, that we ended up or that I ended up personally kind of being involved with, but, but committing at, at a young age. Um, and the next thing, you know, is, you know, that, that young man as a freshman uh, was a freshman, all American, that young man as a sophomore was, was on the all conference kind of first team, uh, flirting mm-hmm. with like a, a third team all anyways he's 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 playing professional baseball and i mm. thought it was just it was a cool it was a cool story for two reasons and, and a, co- a lot more coaches have a, a lot cooler stories than that but it it just left up such an imprint where it was so early on in my career but more importantly i was so in reflection so lucky that yeah. my peers trusted me right the other the other mm. coaches trusted me and then two, that I was, it's cool to now reflect and be like, you know what? Good for you, young Matt. Good for you, young <laughs> You held your ground, even though they were trying to just get on you because that guy is this close away from becoming a big leaguer. Wow. How it sounds cool. like they were testing you a little bit there. Oh, you know, that's the case. And I admire yeah. that. Yeah. I love it. Probably, I would have not probably, I definitely would have done the same thing. Wow. So yeah, those are my, my three little nuggets for you. That's awesome. I'm happy you got three. They're very different, but they all they all tell like something very important. I will say this. I'm going to make this an effort now every single episode. Parents, just stay out of it. Please, dear God, just be a, someone uh, just told me, just be a fan. Just be a great fan just from a distance. You know, like I, I don't even know. Did, that wasn't you that said that earlier. I don't know. I've been all over the place, you know. No, no, you, you nailed but it. Seriously, right? like just you can do more. You can do more harm than good. A lot of the times. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't take, don't try to get their phone number. Don't try to get their email and send them updates and ask questions. Like, right? <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, okay. So that's everything I have. Um, uh, I just awesome. want to give you like one last kind of like sign off just for, you know, young players who are interested in USD parents, even who are interested in like, yeah. kind of want to get their kids educated on the school. Just anything you'd like to say, just as like a last words, like a little sign off. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I've, again, appreciate it, Jack, uh, having me on your podcast. And I guess last sign up, I don't really have anything prep, but, but what I will say for, for young 
high school players, mm -hmm. parents, um, things happen for a reason, right? Things happen for a reason. Uh, things happen at certain times for a reason too. Mm. And, you know, the recruiting process, we, we, human nature, we just get so caught up. I'm, I'm speaking out of imagine as a parent, we get so caught up or a player, you know, we get so caught up in this guy's committing here and this guy's committing there. And, you know, I'm better than that guy, you know, gee, Manitti, why am I not being recruited? Mm. But this thing is, it's so fluid. I mean, we, it, it's amazing. It's amazing how many just quality baseball players end up not being recruited until the end of their senior year or needing those extra years of junior college, mm -hmm. right. Or, or needing to, to go to a, a, a different division uh, school, which is not a knock. It's just, and playing and, and I mean, goodness, I mean, it, just let, let the world turn because if you just mm. continue to control what you can, you know, the best, literally the, the two highest draft picks, the three highest draft picks on the mound that I've been lucky enough to coach. One was didn't commit until late in his senior year. The other one didn't commit until the summer going into senior year. And the other one who will eventually become, I think, a big leaguer, mm. he didn't commit until July of after his senior year. What's the commonality? Whoa. We're talking about guys that all were essentially in their last year of high school. And I think that's so neat because what happens? Those guys stay hungry. Those guys, those guys want, right. You know, Jack, I, I was that guy, right? Like those guys stay motivated. The right guys, the right guys, do. they stay motivated. They stay hungry. And then that trajectory ends up being the one that you want to pitch or you want to play for your program, mm. you know, all said and done so just keep just keep letting things happen and you control what you control that's for sure you heard the man matt floor <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that was awesome um and and i'll i'm gonna talk to you a little bit briefly uh right after we sign off but like yeah that's everything um i'll just say very last words thank you for coming on and uh it's been a pleasure Michael. honestly thank um, you I appreciate all right you. Yeah. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this week. And we will see you next week on Player to Prospect.